Today on Reparations in Action. White people are never going to do this. We sit on the pedestal of the oppression of African people, even as women. You're listening to Reparations in Action. Uhuru. You're listening to the White Lies Shattered podcast and FM radio show. My name is Jamie Simpson, and I am the host of White Lies Shattered, which broadcasts weekly on Black Power 96.3 FM in St. Petersburg, Florida. This week, we're talking about the recent U.S. Supreme Court overturning of Roe v. Wade, a ruling by the Supreme Court in 1973 granting the right to legal abortion to all women in the United States. White Lies Shattered, which is also known as Reparations in Action, is a program of white solidarity with black power. Currently, we are in a podcast series exposing the insidious lies we learn as white or European people about the nature and origin of America and the current social system. We believe reparations to African people is the key question of our times and is one that demands action on the part of European or white people. We want to begin by saluting Chairman Omalia Shatella and the African People's Socialist Party for leading the African revolution for over 50 years and for developing the theory of African internationalism. The theory and worldview of the African working class that guides the African revolution and which we credit for all of the understandings and analysis that we provide on this podcast. As always, we'd like to salute Black Power 96, where this show is aired and recorded for our podcast weekly. Black Power 96 is not just explaining the world, but changing it. You can get the app for Black Power 96 on Google Play or the Apple App Store and listen wherever you are located. So I'd like to welcome back on uh, regular guest and chairwoman of the African People's Solidarity Committee, Penny Hess. Uhuru and welcome back, Penny. Uhuru, Jamie. It's so good to be here today and to hear your voice. And welcome to everybody who's, who's listening. And you know, before we start, I do want to join in saluting Chairman Omalia Shatella, the African People's Socialist Party, and, and Black Power 96 FM in St. Petersburg, Florida, and just the whole struggle of African people to be free and liberated, and that we, as white people, under the leadership of the African People's Socialist Party, we have the honor of seeing seeing the world as experienced by colonized African people. And that's part of what we want to share today. And I think that there's an understanding that Chairman Amalia Shatella has really fought for and, and um, you know, just put out and explained in the world called colonialism as the mode of production of this society. And when we look at the abortion issue, we're looking at a perfect example of that. So, Yes, as you said, on Friday, July 24th, 2022, the U.S. Supreme Court overturned its, its ruling of Roe v. Wade, the decision which granted the right of, of an abortion to all women in the U.S., and that was enacted in 1973, so almost 50 years that was on the book. And um, even though there was a leak, there is... Uh, you know, quite a, quite a somewhat of a, a reaction in this country to a right 
that this colonial system has given, but then it can take it away whenever it wants. So I want to start by, by looking at the statement put out that by the African National Women's Organization that is led by President Yejide Arunmila, really an amazing speaker and, and leader of the struggle for, for African women in, in the context of the entire African revolution. And ANWO, African National Women's Organization, put out a, a powerful, very succinct statement the same day that, that um, the Roe v. Wade was rescinded and, you know, address the impact of this decision on African women. ANWO is an organization of the African People's Socialist Party led by Chairman Omali Shetela. So, Jamie, do you want to read that? Yes, absolutely. So here is this uh, statement from the African National Women's Organization and President Yejide Oranmila. Today, the U.S. Supreme Court overturned the 1973 Roe v. Wade decision, which made abortion a constitutional right. Now the legality of abortion will be decided in each U.S. state. This comes as no surprise since the decision leaked in May. Since then, many women have taken to the streets to demonstrate their opposition to this impending reversal, while others began building legal opposition to abortion barriers in their states. Anne Woe recognizes that this decision will undoubtedly have a huge impact on African and other colonized women. We also understand that this is just one of the many forms of attacks on our ability to produce and reproduce life for ourselves. The fight to ensure our ability to truly make decisions about our bodies and right to reproduce cannot be fully won under colonial capitalism. For centuries, this system of oppression and, and exploitation has robbed us of our motherhood and our humanity through the violence of slavery, colonialism, apartheid, Jim Crow, and every other iteration of colonial assault we can name. In 2022, we are still fighting against the kidnapping and transfer of our children. Mothers are losing their rights while the colonial state decides the fate of our children. This happens to hundreds of African mothers every day. Enough is enough. The time is long overdue to mount a formidable anti-colonial response to the ongoing attacks on the rights of women. For African women who have long been subjected to the worst forms of colonially imposed violence, there is no other time than now to show your support for ANWO and join the revolutionary efforts to build the capacity of African women ready to fight back. We will not let anyone speak for us. We will not let anyone represent us. ANWO are African women fighting back against the terror of white power, the colonial terror that has been unleashed upon us. And uh, again, that was the statement by the African National Women's Organization and President Yejide Olrenmila of the African People's Socialist Party. Uhuru, that is such a powerful statement. And I mean, I just, wow, it just really gets to the point. And the question showing that for African women as colonized inside the borders of the U.S. and around the world, it is a completely different experience around the question of, of reproduction and, and control over one's lives. And I, 
I really, than it is for white women. You know, just wanted to make that point. And that in speaking to white women, it's really important that we um, be able to, to show other white women the, um, this difference, this difference in experience, the difference in reality, the coming to what the chairman calls the colonial mode of production. So, you know, really, really, really appreciate that statement and have unity with it. I, I really, um, you know, just love the call to action where Yejide or Anwo is saying, we will not let anyone speak for us. We will not let anyone represent us. Meaning African people will decide their future, their fate. These decisions have to be made within the context of power in the hands of the African population that is colonized inside the U.S. And it's not about begging the Supreme Court to, uh, to give them something. It's about a fight for liberation, national liberation and self-government and the control over their resources and lives. And that's the context that reparations is in. But I wanted to, I wanted to say, Jamie, that um, back in the early 70s, when the issue of abortion was really out there and there was a movement, the, the white feminist movement, in particular, that was really pushing forward abortion in this country, the right to abortion in this country, it was certainly seen then as a white women's issue. And, you know, and I say that even with the understanding that um, President Yejide also addresses that due to colonialism inside the U.S., that, that African working class women are a large percent of the women, all women who have abortions in the US. And for example, in 2019, there were over 900,000 recorded legal abortions. And that really, you know, is, uh, does not include states that don't even keep records like California. So the actual numbers are much higher. But of those recorded, 38% of those recorded were African women and 28% were Spanish speaking women and the category other. Mostly impoverished women. White women were only 33% of those who, who had a legal recorded abortion. And of course, there's many other alternatives there, but this is legal recorded abortion. So African, Mexican, and colonized working class women are the hardest hit by this ruling, especially here in the Midwest where I am and in the Southern states that had these trigger alerts that immediately repudiated and took abortion off the, off the books on the state level because with the repeal of Roe v. Wade, then the decision goes to the states. So it is still going to be legal in California, New York, um, and several other states, places, and, and, you know, just the fact that white women will then much more easily be able to, to go to a state where abortion is real, is legal, and, um, and, and be able to, you know, to have that taken care of. Whereas that, that is not something that is available to um, probably the majority of African working class women in this country. So yes, the impact of this, the repeal of Roe v. Wade is very serious 
on African and uh, other colonized women inside this country. Right. Yeah. This is this is really serious. And and like like anything else, the question is is colonialism at the heart of this. And um, you know, I, I I've heard that, and I, I don't have statistics on this. Maybe we can get these. That I, I forget what the actual number is, but it's in the thousands. The number of women that already under legal abortion were dying, uh, attempting abortions on their own. Mm-hmm. You know, and so we know that this is going to mean women will die. Uh, women, especially impoverished women and uh, the oppressed and colonized African women and the whole African population, this disproportionately affects them. It disproportionately mm-hmm. affects indigenous women. But I know there's another side to this, too, this colonial question with respect to uh, family planning and and the, yeah. the, the, the legacy of, of that in, in mm-hmm. this country. Can you speak to that? Yeah, I mean, I think that that's really the key question. And actually, um, at an event the other night with President Yejide of Anwal on the event, speaking on Zoom, you know, she was just making the point that for African women, this is just one more attack in every possible kind of assault that African women and African people as a whole come under in this country every single day. So... Yeah, I just wanted to say that historically, African women have faced many, many different forms of colonial forced sterilization. And this has been a huge issue. And it includes, you know, forced sterilization through uh, different kinds of hormones and drugs given to African women, often, generally speaking, when they had no idea that that was taken that that was happening, including hysterectomies while they're, uh, you know, under anesthesia or other kinds of things that have been um, have been forced on African women. They've they've been forced into sterilization, and yet also when they do have able to deliver their babies, uh, that their babies are taken away and their children are taken away by. CPS, Child Protective Services, quote-unquote, in the foster care system. And in general, there is a much greater inaccessibility to prenatal care. There is higher infant mortality rates and maternal mortality rates for African women compared to white women, and that's still true today. African infants in the U.S. are 2.3 to 3 times more likely to die, especially in their first year of life, than white infants. And African women in the U.S. are three to four times more likely to die during childbirth than white women. And, you know, it's, it's, really, uh, it's, it's really deeper than that, though, because there's an article by Mary Ziegler from Harvard University that stated in the 1960s, there was an alliance between the population control movement and the abortion rights movement in the United States. And we have to, you know, like really, really look at that. And she, this is a quote from her article. She's saying, together, population control and abortion rights advocates voiced the benefits of legalized abortion, such as smaller welfare costs, fewer illegitimate births, and slower population growth. At the same time, 
The use of these arguments put them at odds with the civil rights leaders and black power activists who were concerned that abortion would be used to eliminate African people and other colonized people. And it says that H. Rat Brown denounced abortion as, quote, black genocide. And I think that that was, was a, prevailing, a prevailing question, that African people as colonized face genocide in this country. Yeah. And, and of course, you, you have Margaret Sanger, right, and, and Planned Parenthood, which has a legacy of the, the planned genocide of African people. Can, can you address that? Well, yes. According to an article by Jeffries Kent Peterson of MIT University, he said that the modern day abortion rights movement began as the American Birth Control League in 1921. Among its founding board members were Margaret Sanger, Lothrop Stoddard, and C.C. Little. The latter two people were known for their racist colonialist views but Margaret Sanger continually shows up in the com- company of other anti-African colonizers. In fact, Sanger was the guest speaker at a Ku Klux Klan rally in Silver Lake, New Jersey in 1926. Not only did she not dis- disassociate herself from these views, her own writings leave little doubt as to her sympathies. She was implementing a plan called the, quote, Negro Project that was designed to sterilize African people and reduce the number of African children being born, especially in the South. So, you know, this is just, um, this is history, that it's two realities. It's something that that white women um, can experience the legal right to abortion as often you know, a form of birth control, as opposed to, Af- and, you know, colonized women who, who are, who have no control over their lives, and, you know, it's profound uh, sense and history of the culture of African people that that uh, the entire community helps to raise children, but to have the isolation and poverty and powerlessness imposed on on African people and African women through this this colonial mode of production and system that we live in, it forces African women to make these choices that are not necessarily the historic choices of, of the African community. And, you know, I also want to say that colonial terror uh, was used for centuries against African enslaved women and uh, in the so-called Reconstruction period and and in the Brutal period um, subsequent to the Civil War in the United States. And the colonial terror included white mobs who, quote, lynched and tortured African women and cut out babies, infants, fetuses from their wombs as part of the terror that's called lynching. Uh, Afri- enslaved African women were also forced into breeding pens to, quote, breed and produce babies to be sold as commodities on the market for profit for the colonial slave masters, including Thomas Jefferson and others. And if you want to read more about that, you can read a book called The, the American Slave Coast, and it's the history of U.S. 
breeding of African people in this country, just a, a hideous, a hideous example of the colonial violence towards African people as a whole, but which in particular targeted African women and the control of African babies. So you have colonialism means that in one case, an African woman might be forced to have an abortion because of the conditions of, of poverty and isolation and lack of medical care that she would find herself in. But on the other hand, that colonialism has done everything possible throughout its history to, um, to, to force African women to produce babies for profit for white people. So, you know, it, it, this is the point that's being made by the African National Women's Organization that African people as a whole have a right to make these decisions themselves. And I just want to add, Jamie, that Chairman O'Malley Shatella has said and pointed out very brilliantly that the motive force of any society is to produce and re reproduce real life for themselves, for the people, to, to continue the nation, the people, to feed the people, to house the people, and to continue this society and civilization that, um, that we're talking about. But African women and African people have produced and reproduced real life for white people for the last 600 years. So yeah, African women and people are fighting to reproduce life for themselves, not to get rid of children. And this is, again, a perfect example of what Chairman O'Malley Shatella calls the colonial mode of production. Right. So, and, and this is a term that, that, we use a lot on this program, the colonial mode of production, which am I right? This is how everything is produced for a society. That's right. You know, it's everything is produced through colonialism. There's nothing, there's no wealth, there's no social wealth, there's no brilliant job that we've gotten or education or house or anything else that doesn't come about based on the reality that, that the land that is called the United States was stolen from the indigenous people and soaked in their blood and, and just profound genocide and, and the conditions that indigenous people and indigenous women are forced to live in today is still part of that genocidal colonial system that is there. We wouldn't have the opportunities that mo and the social wealth that most white people do have access to one way or another, without the fact that African people were kidnapped and trafficked to the Americas, to the Western Hemisphere, including the United States, and forced to labor and that, you know, for free for hundreds of years, and that white men and women had the power of life and death over African women. So when we talk about feminism and President Yejide's analysis and statement that there's no such thing as women in general. You know, I have to totally unite with that. There's, you know, I can't put onto African women the experience that I might have sitting on the backs of African women 
it's a completely different situation. And that's how we have to understand this issue. Yeah. So can, can you speak more to this question of white feminism and, and the whole concept of, of pro-choice? Because I, I know there are a lot of people out there that are really concerned about the consequences of the overturning of, of Roe v. Wade, and understandably. Um, so could, could you just uh, speak to that, that, that question, what, what the stance of the African People's Socialist Party is toward white feminism and, and this whole question of pro-choice? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> white feminism has been the, um, the ability of colonizer white women sitting on, you know, living at the expense of African and indigenous people to, um, to fight for rights for ourselves that would put us on a, on a better footing and equality with white men within the colonial structure. I mean, that's really what it's been about, to get rights for white women, to be able to function in colonialism, to become, um, to become you know, high up in the U.S. colonial ruling class or to be in the police or the, the, uh, the Marines or the military or you know, the U.S. part of the enforcers, the state, to be part of that. Uh, to to be able to get equal pay with white men. It's never been about addressing and standing in solidarity with the conditions, the genocidal conditions of African and indigenous people and women and fighting for reparations to African people, which is truly how, how the world is going to transform. And, you know, I want to say that that for the African revolution, as we saw some some reference to it in in the 1960s and 70s, the position against abortion is not a moral one, but it is, again, the question that African people have the right to have power, to govern themselves. That's why the African People's Socialist Party says the struggle is not against racism, it's against colonialism. It's not against the ideas in white people's heads. It's against this superstructure that exists in this country that has as its foundation the colonial assault on African people and, and oppressed people around the world, which continues today, the tentacles of U.S. imperialism sinking deep into, into the bodies of, of African people. And so, um, you know, African women aren't, aren't out there fighting against this repeal of Roe v. Wade in the same way that, that white women are. And again, that we cannot, you know, be begging a, a state that's built on suffering and rape and plunder and murder and assault that this colonial capitalist system and state is based on, we can't be fighting for it to, you know, say, oh, please give us a right again. If we are serious about changing the world, then we have to be under the leadership of the African revolution and, and really be fighting for reparations, the return of resources to African people, which is, is part of what negates the control by the colonial 
economy and state over African people. That, that when we're talking about reparations, we're talking about African people having control over their lives and building their own economy and therefore their own institutions that benefit African people. Wow. And, you know, I, I think one, one of the things to, to point out, too, in, in light of, of what's happened is, is the ways in which the African People's Socialist Party keeps providing solutions on the ground. For, for everything that, that African people are going through. I mean, this is why the African Women's Center is uh, being built by the Black Power Blueprint. And Deputy Chair Onazene Yeshitela is, has called this the Uhuru Wakulia, the freedom to nurture. That is so beautiful. And, you know, and I think that what the African People's Socialist Party is working for and the movement of the African working class, which is increasingly growing and building, not only in the US, but in Africa and Europe and Caribbean, is to build a world where abortion may not be necessary. You know, it, it, because, because there would be power over the lives, because the needs of a community are met. And that is a, a stand and, a, and something that, you know, the Haiti Revolution, which we've talked about on this show, which was so brilliant and, and amazing in 1804, when, it, when Haiti declared, they defeated France and they declared independence for Haiti under the leadership of Jean-Jacques Dessalines and the African working class, one of the first things they put in their constitution was an end to what was known at that time as an illegitimate child. They have in their constitution, there is no such thing as an illegitimate child. So this is the concept of, you know, just the humanity and beauty of a society under the leadership of the values of the African revolution, which is the values of people and humans not profit and um, just, you know, violence, murder, slaughter, and oppression. And so if we want to see a whole world that is a world that all humans can live in, it's got to be under the leadership of the African working class. White people are never going to do this. We sit on the pedestal of the oppression of African people, even as women. So even though there is some oppression that white people might experience, it's still oppression on the pedestal. And it's Chairman Omali Shatella and the, just the profound leadership deputy chair on Shatella who have taught us this, who show it in the reality of this Black Power Blueprint, which is a beautiful, beautiful vision. Well, I would say real program that is growing, that has so many facets, got a basketball court and a women's center and so much more that is putting on the ground this vision of a liberated Africa that Chairman Omali Shatella has so eloquently written about, Uhuru. Uhuru. And yeah, I, I really unite with everything you just laid out, Chairwoman Penny. I just, I think it's so important to remember what this whole social system is, this colonial mode of production, which was founded in uh, forcing 
African women and their bodies, their their ver- their wombs, mm-hmm. to become an engine of production for commodities, for profit, right. for yes. for for white people, not for themselves. That 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 the, the mm-hmm. children that African w- women's bodies would be this this engine of, of production. It just just yes. how absolutely obscene that is. Yes. And and when you when you look at things like the the legacy of of African women uh, in desperation of of the the horrors of colonial slavery and indigenous women too turning by the thousands sometimes to uh, to to killing their children to to spare them the horror of of living through slavery under colonialism. I mean that that is is the ultimate theft of uh, reproductive rights, right? Theft of any future for your children. And that is still the mode of production that we live under today. It is it is the exact right. same colonialism. So we we can't expect this colonial system to offer reproductive justice or, or uh, reproductive self-determination to African people or anyone else. And if, if people want to see the kind of future that the African People's Socialist Party is, is fighting for and uh, check out the Uhuru Wakulia, you can go to blackpowerblueprint.org. That's blackpowerblueprint.org. So, yeah, I, I just... Uh... We would love to hear from all of you and anybody listening. And we're going to be setting up a way that you can contact and we can talk back and forth if you have any questions, issues. We're going to start that with our next our next show. Yeah, so. d- definitely. And in, in, in the meantime, if you can go wherever you're listening to this podcast, there should be a comment section. Um, you can comment there and we'll get it more centralized in, in the coming episodes. But please tell us what you think about the overturning of Roe v. Wade and um, the, the legacy of, of colonialism and uh, African women and reproduction in this country. And um, I really want to thank you, Chairwoman Penny Hess, for joining us today. I also want to salute uh, a new team member of White Lies Shattered uh, podcast or Reparations in Action, and that's Deidre Martin for all the work that she did in uh, helping with research for this script. Great research, yes. So we're, we're going to leave it there for today. Penny, thank you again. Thank you to everyone who tuned in. This has been White Lies Shattered. We'll see you next time. Yeah. You're listening to Reparations in Action. This has been an episode of Reparations in Action, the White Lies Shattered series, a biased podcast of white solidarity with black power. My name is Jamie Simpson. This episode was engineered by Marcel Marius, who also composed our theme music. The show is researched and produced by Penny Hess, Jesse Neville, and Lisa Watson from the Black Power 96.3 FM studio in St. Petersburg, Florida. A shout out to Akile Anayi and DJ Eddie Maltzby, as well as the entire Reparations in Action team, Sandra Forrest, Johan Bedingfield, Amanda Carlozzi, Kyle Weiss, Marissa Ricchetti, Ali Aiello, Alana Woods, Declan Keller, Hallie Murray, and Sarah Ritterspock. If you liked what you heard today, you can go to Apple Podcasts and rate this podcast. If you have questions, comments, suggestions, please email them to us at ria at blackpower96.org. Special thanks 
to the African People's Socialist Party's chairman, Omalia Shetela, without whose leadership and theory of African internationalism, none of the understandings presented on reparations in action would be possible. Thank you for tuning in. We'll see you next week.